All right, welcome back to the Ottawa studios of Inside My Canoe Ed. I am your host, Dr. D. Today, we are talking about your recipe for 2024 success. So sit back, grab yourself your favorite beverage. Let's get at it. Nothing but a great drum beat to start off the day here on Friday, December 8th, the day after the anniversary of the day that will live in infamy, the attack on Pearl Harbor. So thank you very much for joining us again here at Inside My Canoe Head. We're looking out to 2024, which is everybody at this point should be nothing but optimistic about it. But the world is telling us something significantly different. If we're to read the headlines, if we're to follow through on the major events in the world and look forward to the turmoil that is coming in 2024, it starts to inform you that, hey, maybe preparedness is not a bad idea. So on today's show, we're going to talk about what I believe, based upon my research and my looking at the events, what is likely to happen in 2024, significant events, what this means for you and preparedness, and then we're going to finish it off with building that recipe, taking all of that information, bringing it together, and how do we set you up for success on your own pathway in 2024. But I'm going to start off today by saying congratulations to our parent company, Preparedness Labs Incorporated, for the publication of our second book, Preparedness Thoughts from Canada. It's available uh, from Amazon. It's over 300 pages of downloaded content and blogs and thoughts and musings from the last four years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Yeah, it has been that long. It's available on our website, www.preparednesslabs.ca. And the link is over on Amazon and it's available on Kobo. And if you're interested, we're going through the process of making it our first paperback. That will be launched probably around the 20th of December once we're done through the proofing process. But that will be our first offering in hardcover so you can physically touch it. Uh, but as for now, it's available for $7 as a ebook. A great thought, a great way to review musings and thoughts in the preparedness world over the last three years. It's been a challenging three years, which is why we think today is really important to sit back, grab yourself your favorite beverage of yours, and sit back and think and listen about what 2024 looks like because we talk about strategic planning at length on this because of its key element and key tie to successful preparedness in life. Remember, preparedness has little to nothing to do with stockpiles of crap in your basement. It has everything to do with an attitude, thinking, and focus and lens that you look at throughout the world and how you intend to happen. So we're going to spend a couple of minutes here going through likely events and what could or may not occur. And then we're going to get into some preparedness and you. So first of all, we know that the fight in the Gaza is horrible. We see it on TV, uh, irrespective, and I don't care your lens and where you're starting with uh, and, and whether you've decided that you need to pick sides or the other or you're on the side of the innocent civilians caught in the middle in this horrible conflict. However you view it, it is going to get worse and then it is going to conclude in 2024. 
because Israel's goal is clear. They're going to disarm Hamas and they're going to disarm the Gaza Strip. There is no other possible outcome than that. The way they do it will be under excessive scrutiny as it should be, but the end state is clear that Israel will make sure that the Gaza Strip is disarmed completely before they hand it over to whomever is going to attempt to administer and rebuild that. It's simply that's the outcome that'll happen, and that will happen in 2024. Uh, there is going to be a recession of some type in the Western countries, and mostly it will impact Western countries who have high degrees of government expenditures and medium to low GDP. That is because a high, cumbersome, expensive government that hands out a lot of checks to people has a big social safety net. It's a very expensive monster to keep fueled. That requires, in America, it's about 70%. If you study macroeconomics, you understand that the GDP number is a gross domestic product. It's a totality of the value of goods and services produced in an economy in a year. And it's generally accepted as a measure of healthiness of the society, right? Because it advances blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to give you a macroeconomics lesson. There are people, part of my listening audience doesn't agree with that, and I get it. But the point is, when you use it as a measure... You understand that 70% of it in the United States is consumer spending. 70% of the GDP of the United States of America are individuals spending money, right? If those individuals slow down their spending of money, and the same thing here in Canada, ours is even more impactful because we don't have a huge economic machine like America does. So you're looking at governments who are going to be facing down a barrel of an ideological gun. And it means that governments, irrespective of their political orientation, are going to have to constrict spending in 2024. Now, whether that means a cut to social safety programs, a reduction in the amount of checks that come out to people every month, or a reduction in other government spending, it doesn't matter. The left, the right, everybody's going to have to dial that back in 2024. Uh, we look at the Ukrainian conflict, right? That is basically a stalemate at this point. You're going to see a little movement here and left. But uh, I've studied Putin since 2000 when he took over from Boris Yeltsin. Uh, and I still have the paper uh, announcing Putin taking over. Um, now, that doesn't mean I'm a fan of uh it doesn't mean I'm a fan of Russia and it doesn't mean I think the invasion is good. But as a researcher, I spent a lot of time studying the individual. Um, he has, if you read into what he has said in his speeches, and if you read into how he's conducting this conflict, you understand that he's probably committed about one fifth of the amount of people he's willing to do so. So people talk about 300,000 Russian dead. That might be a little bit extravagant. I don't know the number. And frankly, you don't either. But based upon Putin's musings of 15% of the male uh, of a generation is a successful, is about the, the stop point of sacrifice he's willing to make. Putin is willing to probably lose about 1.2 million dead Russians to accomplish this fight. He's nowhere near it. So anybody that thinks that Russia is getting anywhere near exhausted is totally out to lunch. 
They've got at least four times as many humans that they're willing to throw at this fight, which means it's a stalemate. It's not going anywhere. Ukraine, the best of Western army and the best of Western equipment and the best of Western intelligence was able to stop the Russian army in its tracks during the invasion. And basically now there is no amount of human beings available to Ukraine and technology that will allow them to overcome. So that is basically a game of deciding when the government in Ukraine is going to negotiate because they say an outcome is kick every Russian out of Ukraine. That will never happen. And nor does Ukraine presently now or ever in the future will have the military capability of doing that. So this is a stalemate of where people will have to figure out how do we settle this based upon lines that we both absolutely hate. It's a tough decision. Um, But in other words, we're going to have some significant economic shocks. We have some continued reorganization of the world supply chain from globalization to regionalization and you see the elements now that you see a lot more piracy even look at what the houthi rebels in the red sea are able to do and there's a lot of other piracy off western africa and southeastern africa that you don't hear about in the press there's even some in indonesian area as well This is the escalation of the fact that the U.S. Navy is no longer protecting everybody's international shipping. So part of the agreement, the Bretton Woods Agreement, you know, post-World War II during the Cold War was that every economy can flourish around the world because the U.S. Navy will guarantee the freedom of the seas. Everybody can trade with everybody. All you have to do is side with us against the Russians or against the Soviets during the Cold War, right? The U.S. Navy no longer even has the capability to execute that function, let alone the desire to, right? The U.S. Navy through the U.S. government foreign policy is starting to focus on different, more important areas. So they're not the policemen of the seas. So countries are starting to realize if you want free shipment of goods throughout the world, then you as a country have to put the naval assets in place to protect international shipping, right? Your latte words at a microphone about the importance for free commerce are irrelevant if you can't back it up with hard naval power in the Red Sea, in the Persian Gulf, right? The only way to prevent the Iranians from stealing your ship and taking it is a Navy, right? That's it. That's all. That's that's what you need. So if you have a ship leaving the Persian Gulf heading, you have to either make an arrangement with the Iranian government to leave it alone, i.e. a cash deal, or you have to send your own naval assets. So that means the Netherlands. That means the United Kingdom. That means Canada. Anybody like that who wants to trade on the ocean through any of these uh, challenging bodies of water are going to have to put their navy there to protect their shipping. So you're going to see a lot more of these economic shocks. Uh, Inflation, who knows what will happen with inflation. Inflation is tied to government spending. So if people keep demanding more and more government programs and more and more checks in their bank account and more and more extravagant ideas from government, that is just going to continue to fuel inflation. At some point, um, inflation will come down. It always has. I mean, this is cyclical. We've seen this throughout history. It's nothing new. It will continue. But listen, 2024, what's the big event, my friends? It is the U.S. election, the U.S. presidential election. Every two years, Congress is reelected, so nobody really cares about that. And then 
uh, every six years, a U.S. senator is reelected. So a third of the Senate every year, every two years, uh, the entire House of Representatives every year, but the U.S. election, the U.S. presidential election, the de facto leader of the Western free world is going to be chosen. And I shake my head. I mean, I, I have a number of listeners in the United States of America, and I love you all. You're wonderful. But seriously, you're the world leading power. You have 335 million people. And this is what you put up. This is the choice you give us. This is what we have to look forward to of all the brilliant, incredible minds that exist in the United States of America that have brought it to the state of the nation. It is. And Biden and Trump is what you have to offer. Like, seriously, shake your head. There are some incredible, intelligent people. Anyhow, either way, I've been on notice to say that I don't think Donald Trump wins the election. And I say that because I believe the Georgia case will put the man in jail or he'll be plead to a deal that convicts him of a significant enough felony to prevent him from occupying office. I don't know if that's possible. I think the probability is the next president in the United States is probably going to be one of the Republicans who is not Donald Trump, right? Because I think a good portion of the Democrats will vote against Trump, but not for Biden. So if somebody other than Trump is on the ballot, I think that a good number of the Democrats are just going to stay home because Biden is as much as a nightmare. And I'm telling you, this is a proud Canadian, as a northern neighbor. I've fought around the world with Americans. I love you to death. Uh, we've chewed the same sand together. Uh, and I've got the world of respect for you. But I just don't understand how those are the two things. Those are the two human beings you offer the rest of the world. That being said, the U.S. election has a huge impact on everything around the world, and it's going to matter. And the last one is the migration crisis. And this is going to affect Europe the most. Europe has an influx of migration over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Uh, and it's not working out for the majority of countries. And at some point, you start to see in elections like the recent Dutch election in Hungary, um, you start to see the change in government in Sweden that happen. You start to see the hardening in France. Um, you see it in Italy. You start to see countries realizing that unfettered large waves of migration are not helpful to your economy. And we have this here in Canada. We are a multicultural bilingual country that absolutely is grounded on the fact that immigration is a key to our success. But we've taken far too many people, not because it's a different color or religion. Well, some people think that. But the point is, is that our society is not capable of handling that. We haven't built the social institutions to support the newcomers. You need healthcare institutions. You need education institutions. You need housing up to speed. All of that has to be set and ready to go before you invite the immigrant to come in. So we need a couple hundred thousand immigrants every year in Canada, but what we've never done is set up the system to support the immigrants. So now we have a crisis of migration in our country that is a self-inflicted wound. We did this to ourselves, as did every other country in Europe and the Western world that accepted high rates of migration. They weren't 
building the social structures to accept the human beings. And now we have a significant difficulty. So that's a broad spectrum, 15 minute analysis there on what 2024 is majorly going to look like, the significant events that we're going to face. Now, how does this mean for preparedness and you? The first thing I'll say to you clearly is none of these events are within your control. Not one of them. You can't, you can't, determine the outcome of any of it. You have a voice if you choose. If you wish to occupy your time, space, and intelligence, you can have a voice online with your friends or in discussions about any number of these issues and how you believe the outcome will occur or what you want the outcome to occur, either the normative or the positive viewpoint, the world as it is or the world as you wish it would be, whatever. You have the ability to do that, but you also have the ability to not have an opinion. And this is a key lesson from Stoic philosophy is you not only have the right to have an opinion, you have the privilege of not having an opinion. So when somebody says, what's your position on Ukraine? You're like, I, I don't have an opinion. I don't, I don't have a position. I don't have a thought on it. it it's, it, I just don't, I don't. Uh, and that's different from no comment. No comment means I have a position, but the world is lightning rods and I don't really want to jump on a mic here and give you my opinion because I'm going to get a flurry of whatever in my inbox, right? That's no comment, but I'm speaking of just not having an opinion, full stop, just not formulating a personal position on each one of the things that, cause that all takes time, energy, and thought of which you only have a finite amount, but you can choose to focus on your pathway. You can choose to focus on that incredible person in the mirror that you see every day and making that individual better. Because remember, in this race called life, you are not in a competition with anybody but yesterday's you, right? You are exposed to and live with a whole completely different circumstances and life experiences, lived experience than everybody else around you. So your competition is to be today 1% better than yesterday's you. That's all you have. And so this tumultuous world that we're facing and the fact that you can't control it reinforces your need for preparedness. And this is based upon our education strategy of first identifying the family and for whom you're responsible, then your shelter in place strategy and finishing off with your trifecta of plans, your trifecta of preparedness plans, which is the most likely the most dangerous and economic loss of income. Those are the three trifecta of plans that form the foundation and the grounding of your scenario based ideas for preparedness. And then you build community, right? You build your knowledge and your integration with your social networks around you, which is a true form of community resilience because you can't affect any of those things that we were talking about. So what does your recipe for success look like in 2024? Considering all of the events we talked about, considering your ability to affect and control absolutely none of it, how do you set 2024 up for success? How do we look forward? And this isn't the goal grandstanding I'm going to you know, I'm going to lose 140 pounds and I'm going to run the Boston Marathon. It might be, but whatever it may be, how do you set yourself up for success? Well, the first thing to do is, as I just said, is to solidify and review your family preparedness plan. Now, we've got a great couple of 
We've got a book on it prepared in a simplified book one, the beginning, which is available on Amazon through our website, www.preparednesslabs.ca. We've got an online video course about adopting a prepared life that is available on the same website for you to go through both of those and the 220 plus previous episodes of this podcast, lay out the methodology that we have grounded in research to show you to build that family preparedness plan so that you are best suited to navigate whatever exogenous shocks. Because remember, our goal is to thrive in chaos, not survive. Thriving means that you are able to navigate the shock with little to no disruption in your normal daily operations. So it almost gets to the point of irrespective of the events that are happening around you, you are absolutely unequivocally capable of continuing to chase your dreams, whether it's a recession, shock, U.S. election, increase in the migration crisis, global conflict. It doesn't matter. You are still able to hit your goals and rock your dreams. That's what a family preparedness plan does for you. So number one, you got to square that away. Now we're going to come full circle to an episode that we did earlier this month in December to talk about strategic thinking, right? You need a five-year roadmap. So you need to sit down and look. I use a whiteboard. I talk about this at length. I love whiteboards. I sit there. I stare at them all the time. I'm actually looking at it as I'm talking into the microphone right now. And my whiteboard has my clear five-year plan. What does my world look like in 2028? Right? Clearly. This is in generalistic, obviously. But I know I've put it down to a point when I'm sitting there with my cup of coffee on Christmas Eve, 2028, inshallah that I am still here, this is what my world looks like. And from a general four-point review, when I look at it for four points, I talk about uh, mental health, physical health, financial health, and relationships. What does that look like in 2028? But to get there... I have a strategic map and we talked about how to do strategic mapping, visually mapping from now till there. But I think really importantly for 2024 is to ask yourself that really important question. We did this in the last episode is what does your world look like in December 2024, right? You start from the finish line. Whenever you do strategic mapping, it works the best when you start from the finish line. So sit down and ask yourself, write those four heading downs, my physical health, my mental health, my financial health, and the state of my relationships. What does that look like in 2024? When you're sitting there in the libation at Christmas Eve, the music's playing, you got the fireplace channel on, all that, what does your world look like? Where do you want to be? And you can add a fifth one if you do. I add the fifth one. It's... it's uh, company goals because I own a company, right? So what does my company look like? If you don't own a company, then throw in your professional side, right? So say five, let's go for five, put the professional one down and write below it what you want the world to look like in 2024 in December, right? It's a clear vision. It's what you're going to do over everything you do over 2024 is going to map to that point, right? So you have the end state, you have it written down, you make your ideas. Now on the left-hand side, you're going to sit down under the same headings and you're going to write down where you're at right now. Honest. Listen, none of this stuff we talk about in preparedness works unless you're honest with yourself, right? If you're going to lie to yourself and tell yourself all these wonderful things, uh, yourself knows, by the way. <laughs> so you look that incredible person in the mirror and you be brutally honest, you know? Uh, for example, when I started 2022, I was obese. 
Absolutely. Fat. Call myself as the old David Goggins says, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and you got to be brutally honest. I was fat. I was obese and it was my fault, right? That's it. Where am I now? I am a lot closer to a healthy weight than I used to be, but I'm not there yet. But so I had to have that honest vision. So if you are honest with yourself and you have integrity and you're nobody else is around, nobody has to see your whiteboard, do it on a piece of paper, whatever it is, but be brutally honest where I'm at right now in those five categories and where do I want to be? So you basically at two ends of the spectrum, an honest reflection where I am now and where I want to be in one year. Now the pathways, right? So you're going to draw a line across. You're going to start with five pathways. So each one of those five topics. So what are the things that you have to do throughout 2024 for your, say my business, my, let's, let's do the professional one. I know where my company's at right now. And I know where my company wants to be, where I want it to be in a year from now. Right. Okay. So what are the things that I need to do throughout the year to get there? So I'm going to probably have five or six things on each one of these lines, right? And they're goalposts, they're waypoints, they're decision points. They go by a whole bunch of different names. So basically, you're developing a roadmap, right? Now, what can happen is, that's a generalistic view, and I think that's great. That's, if you stop your strategic thinking there, you did a brilliant job. You've got a roadmap. You've got your five lines that, you, that you're tracking in your five aspects of your life. You've got the different things you need to go. For example, I was 234 pounds. I want to be uh, 175. That's a bit of a jump, right? So I have to hit 200 first before I can hit 175. You see what I mean? So I laid out five distinct markers of decision points, right? And then you have those. So imagine you've got those five lines, you've got five. So now you've got 25 decision points or 25 events that are going, that you want to occur in 2024 to get you from where you are to where you want to be. You start to see a roadmap, you start to see a pathway, and then you look, and then you know what the long state is, right? So I'm at 230 I was at 234 in January. I want to be 175 in in uh in, in the end of this, right? So I've got five steps. So I'm not targeting 175. I know that's the end state. I see it, but what I'm targeting is 210. Right now I'm focused on 210. I need to get to 210 pounds. What are the things that I can do to get there? So if you want to do detailed strategic planning for 2024, then you can, and this is how it's done. So each one of those spots becomes a decision point. There are different ways to get there. So now to get from, for example, 234 pounds to 210 pounds, there are five different ways, four different ways to do it. So now that line uh, from 234 to the next pound actually has four or five different methodologies in it, right? So you see how detailed and complex this can get if you want to go there. A lot of people are like that. They want the detailed, identical, perfect strategy to get to where they need to go, right? So you can, you take that and you break it that one one line along that goal and in, you have four or five different lines in it. So before you know it, you could have a, over 100, 150 different lines on your one-year pathway. Now that's really complicated and a lot of people don't want to go into the finite details. So if you stick with those five areas of your life, your physical, your mental, and your financial health, your relationships, and your uh, professional 
experience, whatever you want to call it, your professional life. And then you put that, mark those goals from now to where you want to be in a year. And you put four or five points stages along the way that you have to hit to get to your goal. You've got 25 things you're working towards. That's a great setup for 2024, right? It's realistic. It's written by you for you. Now you can look at, okay, my next goal in in physical health is to get to 210. My next goal in mental health is to free up parts of my calendar so I have unoccupied white space to think, to rest and relax and do leisure activities. For my financial health, I have to get... Uh, I have to balance my budget, right? I need to run out of month before I run out of money. So I'm going to do that. So those I'm work. So you basically have one goal for each of the five. And then the last step, this is the key. And we did a, a short video on it yesterday on our video shorts is uh, you can only have one priority, right? You cannot have multiple priorities. You're working on these five things for 2024 one is a priority. So what you do is you pick one of those five lines for the first step. You've got five goals and you've got the first goal in each of them. And now you pick the line that is the priority. What is the main effort, the most important thing you're going to work on in 2024, right? Because you got to remember, this is all grounded in preparedness. Your physical, your mental, and your financial health, your relationships, and your professional growth are key elements of your family preparedness plan. Absolutely unequivocally. So you're going to pick a priority. So for me, the priority in 2023 in January was my weight. Absolutely. So it was more important than my financial health. It was more important than my mental health. It was more important than my uh, relationship building. And it was more important than my professional building, my company. Full stop. One of those has to be number one right? And I don't, there's no number two, the three, four, five. You don't rank the other ones. You pick one inch your priority. What that means as life gets tough, as you get thrown curveballs, as we all do, you will slow down on the other four, but you will not for any reason and for any circumstance, slow down on number on your priority. That's what a priority does for you. I will meet what I need to do today to meet my weight loss goal. I will do today, even if I do nothing else today, I will do that. That's the priority thinking. And periodically, we say in preparedness that every month when you do your monthly preparedness family review, uh, about 30 minutes, I do mine uh, the first or last, the first Sunday of every month, I've got it built into my calendar, 30 minutes for me to sit down and go over my family preparedness plan to make sure it's still true. And part of that is looking at my goal strategy and saying, hey, is this still my priority? It's been my priority for the month. X, Y, Z has happened this month. Is this my priority or am I consciously and intentionally shifting my priority? So that is how you set up 2024 for success. You've got to remember that you live in a world of a whole bunch of events that are likely to happen, exogenous shocks, destruction, death, economic turmoil, and political chaos is going to be 2024, right? So you've got to understand that. You've got to understand how that can affect you and your plan, but you also have to frame it in the fact that you can control none of it, even though it may have significant effect on you. So you need to have a strong family preparedness plan. We have all the tools 
in 220 plus episodes to teach you how to do that. If you go to our website, preparedusslabs.ca, we have a free download there for family preparedness plan, free three page free download for you to get you starting off on developing your family preparedness plan. It's all there free of charge. Once you have that, then you've got to look forward because if you're going to wing it in 2024, we wish you the best of luck, but you probably shouldn't considering the turmoil of the world. And if you want to achieve something, you've got to design it. You've got to figure it out. You've got to build the roadmap. You've got to set the goals because then when you look that incredible person in the mirror, you're not in a position to play victim and blame somebody else for your lack of success. Grounded in personal responsibility and you'll get it done. So thanks for listening us uh, this Friday on how to set up 2024, a recipe for your success. It's grounded in the theory of preparedness. Hopefully you are embracing our ideology that preparedness is a whole of life. It is a lens through which you examine everything that you do. And it is not measured in a stockpile of kit and equipment that is in your basement. So keep, uh, if you love this podcast, drop us a line at uh, jeff at preparednesslabs.ca. Do the same if you dislike it. If you have some complaints or have some ideas, please tell us good, bad, or indifferent. We love the feedback. And if you like it, drop over to your favorite podcast app and live a review. And if you really love what we do here, there's a link on insidemycanoehead.ca to just Press on the button and donate a cup of coffee to little old me. I am fueled by simple, wonderful black coffee. Thanks again for joining us at Inside My Canoe Head. I hope 2023 was at least successful for you and that you're setting yourself up for an awesome, incredible 2024. Take care.